Well, just a couple weeks ago, we heard about the failure of CNN Plus, right, Michael? That's right. One of the biggest streaming busts we've seen happen, really, ever. Well, this week, I thought we could turn the tables a bit and talk about a company that's been a very big success, and it is another plus. Another plus? Disney Plus. Ah, Disney Plus. Nice. Another major streaming launch, but... One that's been able to at least last around a couple years, right? Yeah, and hey, you know, these these days in the streaming wars, a couple years is a lot. So yeah. uh, we're, we're going to dig in on all of it, uh, what it was like to have gotten to launch, um, what it's like today. But first, we should probably roll that intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts. Michael Saka and I'm Mike Belsito. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore: AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. 
Okay, Disney Plus, not exactly a scrappy startup. Uh, it was a fledgling streaming service from, well, one of the most established brands and companies in the world. Yes, and I don't know about your house, Mike, but I'm a subscriber, and Disney Plus gets a lot of play in the Saka household these days. Yeah, for sure. Same here, same here. And, and not just with the kids. I mean, I've enjoyed some of those Disney classics, <laughs> uh, some of the new stuff, too. But not to go too far ahead of ourselves here. We should probably rewind things a bit. All the way back to, eh, let's say 2015. 2015. That's not when Disney Plus launched. No. That's when Disney Life launched. Disney Life? Yes. Disney Life. Introducing Disney Life, a digital membership with access to the biggest collection of Disney movies, kids' TV box sets, books, music, and apps. In one place for the first time ever. Disney classics whenever you want. Reading adventures. The greatest lineup of Disney Kids TV box sets. Fun ways to play together. And the songs you love wherever you are. Let it go. Let it go. Disney Life. Explore magic at your fingertips in one smart app. For your free month, visit DisneyLife.com. That's super interesting. And why have I never heard much about this? Um, I'm definitely going to check that out and sign up for my free month. Well, let me stop you right there. You can't, Michael. It, it does not exist anymore. Oh, well, darn it. Um, it sounds pretty cool, though. <laughs> Movies, TV shows, but books, music, definitely interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, but even if it still existed, you still wouldn't have been able to sign up uh, unless you moved to the U.K., it was more of an experimental service for Disney that launched in 2015, but only to subscribers in the United Kingdom. In a lot of ways, though, it was the precursor to Disney+, Plus. although, you know, it wasn't exactly the same. Yeah, it seemed like Disney Life had even more to it. I mean, books, music? In some ways, yeah. I mean, but in some ways, no. Uh, it, it did have access to audiobooks and ebooks, music, even some games. But Disney Life was lacking in one big area new original content that's exclusive to the platform. It had one original series, uh, Legend of the Three Caliberos, um, but Disney Plus, you know, it's ripe with fresh original content, which we'll get into in just a bit. But in April of 2019, it was announced that the new Disney streaming service, Disney Plus, would be coming. And once it did, it would take the place of Disney Life in the UK and it would receive all of Disney's marketing weight in other markets throughout the world. The service, again, Disney+. Plus. Here's the team at ABC News reporting in April 2019 about the upcoming launch of Disney+. Plus. Now some news close to home. Our parent company, Disney, unveiling new streaming service, Disney+. Plus. It will bring top movies and shows direct to you. Disney chief Bob Arger promises it will be a game changer for consumers. And Adrian Bankert had the chance to sit down with him to talk about it. For the first time ever, the Disney vault is unlocked forever. That's a big deal. All Disney in one place never existed before. That's going to Disneyland every day of the week. That's Bob Iger, a chairman and CEO of Walt Disney Company at the time. The groundbreaking streaming service Disney Plus will be the new permanent home to Disney's entire catalog of movies. Classics like Mary Poppins. For a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Snow White. With a smile and a and the Little Mermaid. Under the sea. Under the sea. Nobody beat us, fry us, and eat us in fricassee. The new service also will be the only place to find films from Marvel, Pixar, and Star Wars. 
It'll also be home to an expanded Star Wars universe. The new series, The Mandalorian, set to premiere later this year. The Mandalorian, one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, and this was the big thing that Disney Life was missing. Original, new, exclusive content. With Disney Plus, they had all the classics like Disney Life did, but they had all sorts of original content too, which includes The Mandalorian, but includes dozens of other original series and movies like Mighty Ducks Game Changers, Big Shot, Ms. Marvel, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and lots and lots others. Let's go back to that ABC segment with Bob Iger. This is an extension for the company of what it has done for 96 years, which is tell great stories uh, that entertain the world, people of all generations, that because the stories that we tell tend to touch people's hearts, they kind of live forever. What we actually try to do is not live up to their expectations. We try to exceed their expectations. And so now Disney made it public that later that year, Disney Plus would be launched and the anticipation started to grow. Although not everybody was excited about this. Specifically, Netflix investors. They were, they were a little worried. At first, this is big competition coming from one of the biggest media giants in the entire world. But also, just after Disney Plus announced that it would be launching later in the year, Netflix had to let its investors know that its Q2 new subscriber estimates, well, they're going to be lower than expected. That's not a good thing. Uh, no, no. The timing was definitely not on. Uh, originally, industry analysts had predicted that Netflix would pick up 5.48 million new subscribers in Q2 of that year, but Netflix ended up having to temper those expectations. They predicted a lower number, uh, 5 million, which is you know, about 10% lower than what those industry estimates were. For perspective, it's still growth, but slower than expected growth combined with the fact that a big competitor was working on its epic launch, well, it's, it's not good news. And in fact, Netflix's stock dropped a bit just because of that. This news, I'm sure though, was music to Disney's ears. And others in the film business were starting to really take notice and feel the anticipation, too. In a conversation with CNBC anchor Julia Borston, Joe Russo, one of the Russo brothers, who are actually well-known for directing several movies in the Marvel Avengers franchise, was pretty blunt about his take on the streaming wars. Even though Disney Plus wasn't even launched yet, he placed it higher than any other streaming competitor as the one that Netflix will need to fend off. The closest race to watch is Disney versus Netflix, Joe Russo told moderator and CNBC anchor Julia Borston. Netflix is at a volume and they have to get their volume to quality. Disney is at quality and they need to get to volume. It'll be interesting to see who achieves their goal first because it'll really determine market dominance. More on what happened as Disney gets closer to its Disney Plus launch date after this break. Before the break, we learned about a big announcement that Disney made back in April of 2019. They would soon be joining the big streaming wars with a brand new streaming television service, Disney Plus. The launch would be set for November 2019. A big move for Disney, but we also learned how others, namely Netflix, were already affected by the extra competition from Disney just from the mere announcement alone. It became public that Disney Plus would be launching its initial offering for just $6.99 per month 
That's a whole $2 less than Netflix's cheapest plan. $2 might not seem like a lot, but it was one more data point that gave Disney Plus another advantage. In fact, just after Disney's announcement, early surveys from Streaming Observer and Mindset Analytics suggested that 14% of Netflix's subscribers were considering dropping Netflix for Disney Plus. Yeah, and another 40% were considering at least trying Disney Plus, but they weren't necessarily ready to cancel their Netflix subscription just yet. So. It wasn't all doom and gloom for Netflix, but if they did lose 14% of their subscribers, I mean, that would be a big blow. The work continued to get to launch and more news kept coming out about what the launch of Disney Plus would entail. On the content side, it looked like Disney Plus would be, well, a very expensive launch. It would be spending over 2.6 billion to get off the ground. A part of that was ending its agreement with Netflix, which caused a $150 million impact on their bottom line from content that they had licensed to Netflix. Yeah, and a billion dollars of that would all be on content. Disney was putting its full weight into the creation of all sorts of new television series, movies. It was a major, major investment. But content, that was a big part of the strategy. Here's Eric Schwartzel, Wall Street Journal's film industry reporter, on why content played such a big role for the Disney Plus launch, starting with its flagship original series, The Mandalorian. It combines a known entity, the Star Wars universe, arguably the most successful franchise in Hollywood history, with a new storyline that you can only see and explore on Disney Plus. Disney Plus offered 500 films and over 7,500 TV episodes at launch. They had this stable of brands that they could already draw on. Plus, they had movies and characters that people wanted to watch again and again. So if Disney Plus became the exclusive home of the Iron Man movies and the Finding Nemo movies, that was already a built-in advantage. Then they were able to use those brands and characters to make sequels and reboots that become events on the service and give them this perfect bridge of new material using old or familiar characters. So yes, having original content was a big boon for Disney, but not just the fact that it was original content, it was original Disney content, original Marvel content, original Star Wars content, original content from brands that people were already in love with. Word then got out about what the interface would look like for Disney Plus before it was ever even launched. And it was different than, say, that of Netflix. <laughs> yeah, The Verge described the interface as being almost surgically clean. Much different than the busy nature of Netflix, where it's constantly trying to catch your attention with content offerings. Disney Plus seemed more minimalist. A part of this could have been that, by comparison, it had a lot less content. Just 500 movies, 7,000 TV shows, compared to the 50,000 titles that Netflix offers today. Yet, nevertheless, The Verge had an overall positive impression of the user experience that Disney Plus was putting forward. Minimalist to an extent, yes, but familiar enough for people to just you know, get it right away. Disney's business team was forging partnerships that would help its eventual launch too. In October, it was reported that all new and existing Verizon Wireless Unlimited customers, new Fios home internet customers, and new 5G home internet customers would get a full one-year subscription to Disney Plus for free. With well over 100 million subscribers, it's a big deal. Yeah, just one more feather in the cap for Disney on its way to launch. And then finally launch day was here. Yep. November 12th, 2019, 
Disney Plus finally had its launch. Here's the launch of Disney Plus on this ABC News segment. At long last. Tonight, what could be Disney's biggest bet yet? Launching Disney Plus, a treasure trove of content, including more than 500 movies. I hope, I hope. From the original Snow White to the Avengers. Plus 7,500 TV episodes, including the new Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. They said you were coming. Now, all in one place. It's not only a big swing, but it's a, it's a big swing for a reason, because it's a big deal to Disney fans worldwide. A big swing. That was Bob Iger again, a chairman and CEO of Disney at the time, talking about how important this launch was and how much of a big swing Disney was taking with this. Iger talked even more about the importance of the launch on a Good Morning America appearance here. Someone asked me on a scale of 1 to 10, what is this? I said, I don't know, 15? It's massive because in one place, people will be able to see that great library of product dating all the way back to Snow White 1937 and Mickey shorts from the 20s. And then a lot of things that we're making specifically for this platform that people have never seen before. This wasn't just some product launch, though. In Disney's eyes, this may be the most important thing they've ever done. Maybe ever. Back to that GMA segment. The move potentially even more important to Disney's future than the company's mega acquisitions of the past, like purchasing Pixar, Marvel, and Lucasfilm. Analysts now predicting the service, which is available for $6.99 a month, will have 75 million subscribers within five years. 75 million subscribers within five years? At least that was the estimate. At launch, though, they already had 10 million subscribers to count on, which is really impressive. It really is. Some analysts predicted that Disney Plus would have 20 million subscribers after its first full year. It was already halfway there. And remember, we talked about the launch of CNN Plus. It had fewer than 20,000 installs on the day of launch. It's not apples to apples. It's a much different service, but, but still, it gives some perspective on the numbers here. Now, not everything on launch day was perfect. There was so much demand for the service that, yes, there were definitely bugs and hiccups those first few days of launching. Very early on, many subscribers reported that when they tried to access Disney Plus content, they'd get taken to a page that just read, unable to connect to Disney Plus, and there'd be this big Wreck-It Ralph staring right <laughs> back at you delivering the message. Disney Plus runs on BAM tech technology, which actually has been mostly reliable for other platforms like Major League Baseball's digital service. So perhaps just some blips on opening day. After a little while, the service seemed to be pretty consistent for Disney+. Plus. Yeah, and after a full month after launch, it was estimated that Disney's subscriber base was now up to 25 million subscribers. 1.1 million of those supposedly defected from Netflix, as was already chipping away at the user base. Then something happened early on in Q1 of 2020. Something oh, we all had to deal with. Here's Michael Strahan of Good Morning America. Major cities across the country are looking more like ghost towns. We're so used to seeing LA's famous bumper to bumper traffic, but take a look at this LA freeway during rush hour yesterday. Virtually empty compared to what it's usually like in New York's Grand Central Terminal. Normally the busy gateway to the city is almost empty during this new era. A new era, a COVID-19 era. It was spring 2020 when the world basically shut down and COVID-19 kept everyone in their homes. For much of Disney's businesses, this was bad news. I mean, Walt Disney World and Disneyland parks, they'd be shut down for months. But for Disney Plus, well, it's actually helped big time. 
it makes sense, right? We were all shut in our homes, nothing to do. We turned on the TV. For many of us, that meant trying out a new streaming service Disney was offering. So after a full year after its launch, Disney Plus's subscriber base was huge. In fact, it had 73.7 million subscribers. Now, this was almost the figure that analysts had predicted Disney Plus could reach after five years, if you remember. But here they were, nearly meeting that five-year estimate in just one single year. It still was nowhere close to Netflix's subscriber base of 195 million subscribers, but it was much closer than they or anyone else expected it would be after its first full year. So where do things stand now in 2022, nearly three years after its launch? Has Disney Plus overtaken Netflix? Is Disney Plus making any money? <laughs> All of that after one more quick break. Before the break, we heard about the announcement and eventual launch of Disney Plus, the brand new video streaming platform launched by Disney in late 2019, making its bid into the streaming awards official. The COVID-19 pandemic actually helped Disney Plus speed up the adoption of the service. In fact, it had nearly met many analysts' five-year subscriber projection in its first year alone. But how did things progress afterwards? especially once the world started venturing back out after being shut in for so long. Well, before we get there, we should note that the early success of Disney Plus, it really caused a strategy shift at Disney. We'll go back to this Wall Street Journal segment here with comments from Disney executive Bob Chapek. The segment talks about how Disney's first full year went really, really well. Disney Plus was leaned on even harder as a place to look to for investors as something that might keep the company afloat. And frankly, it has worked incredibly well. So well that Disney announced a massive restructuring of the company, positioning streaming as a top priority. Essentially, what we want to do is separate out the folks who make our wonderful content based on tremendous franchises from the decision making in terms of where the prioritization is in terms of how it gets commercialized into the marketplace. This included redirecting high profile releases like Hamilton and Mulan from theaters onto its platform. Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. They reorganized the company in a way such that there is now an almost agnosticism about where a movie or TV show will run. It is more about creating that show, building that programming, and then deciding, would this be best in a theater? Would this be best on a TV network? Would this be best on Disney Plus? And increasingly, Disney Plus is the preferred option. This strategy seems to have energized Wall Street. Despite posting two consecutive quarters of losses in 2020, including losing over $2 billion in its park division, Disney's stock price has rebounded. In November, it announced plans to lay off 32,000 employees by March 2021, mostly in its parks division. It also said it would be suspending its January dividend to invest more heavily in streaming. On top of this, Disney Plus set a projection of 260 million subscribers by 2024. 260 million subscribers by 2024. Talk about beefed up estimates. But is it really realistic? Well, let's fast forward a bit to, well, today. Disney Plus is now, I'd call it a household name at this point. It's not seen as the new streaming service anymore. It's seen as one of the big streaming services, a major, major competitor to Netflix. And actually, as far as Netflix is concerned, last quarter wasn't really a good one for them. It actually lost subscribers for the first time in two decades. Its stock took a big hit because of it. 
I mean, does this mean the slowing of streaming content in general? Well, Disney also had an earnings call, and its last quarter was a little different. It didn't lose any subscribers, it gained them. Let's go to this Yahoo Finance segment. Disney earnings are out, and you can see the stock is popping on. Allie Canal has taken a look. She has revealed, Allie, what are we seeing? Yeah, this is a pretty positive quarter for, for Disney, especially since it beat on those net subscriber additions. We know that Netflix was not able to do that. And you can see right now the stock popping over 5% in after hours trading after these results, despite the fact that Disney missed on both the top and bottom lines. Revenue coming in at $19.25 billion versus, versus estimate of just over $20 billion adjusted earnings per share also missing. But that Disney Plus of subscriber number really fueling the rally that we're seeing after hours. Net additions for the quarter came in at 7.9 million versus the 4.5 million that was expected. So, you know, I'm a bit surprised by this. Analysts were cautiously optimistic about Disney Plus after we saw Netflix lose subscribers for the first time in a decade. But here we have Disney bucking that trend. Uh, I'm sure in the earnings call, there's going to be a lot of conversations about the future of streaming. Disney has committed $11 billion this year to fuel a lot of that streaming content. Disney Plus has continued to grow. Its new subscribers last quarter were nearly double what they estimated. And today, it boasts over 137 million subscribers. Not quite the 221 million that Netflix has today, but Disney Plus is getting closer and closer. And $11 billion to invest in the streaming service? That's a lot. Yeah, it definitely is a lot. But is it too much? I mean, despite the success that Disney's had with Disney Plus in terms of its growth, there are other analysts that are concerned that while it is great growth, it might not make for a great business in the long term. One particular analyst worries about Disney's big, big plans for Disney Plus as it's a big change of strategy from when they first launched, where their expectations were more tempered. Here is that analyst, Michael Nathanson of Moffat Nathanson, with his take on this Squawk on the Street segment on CNBC. They have a bigger a bigger plan with more subs, more giant entertainment content, more sports. And I'm not concerned, I'm not convinced that's the best idea for Disney, right? So I wonder if, you know, I asked this on the call last night, if they're rethinking maybe their their view uh, to come out with such a huge idea, right? They want to be in, the, you know, above 230 million, 240 million subscribers. Now, I'm not sure that's the best use of their capital, right? I think if they played to the super fans um, and maybe had a smaller target adjustable market, but would probably maybe higher higher prices, uh, that's probably a better outcome for shareholders, right? So I keep asking that question is, you know, is this the right path for Disney? And as the you know, company keeps saying, you know, you know, we're happy with where we're going. And I kind of wonder if they set targets themselves that are not achievable or will require too much investment to get there. You know, Disney has a unique set of assets, right? That's why they launched so well. That's why they have such great pent-up demand. And my worry is as you move further into where Netflix, HBO Max, Amazon, Apple play, the returns go down, right? So we thought the first investor day they had where they pretty much, you know, unveiled the first Disney Plus strategy of playing to their fans. That makes sense to me. I know it could, could result in lower subscribers, it's probably a better business than where they're going today. It's interesting, right? I mean, the general sentiment here is, yes, it's a lot of growth, but if they take that Silicon Valley approach of pouring loads and loads of capital into the business, 
can Disney Plus ever really be a profitable business? It's an interesting question. And I guess we can't really know the answer right now. No, no, only time will really tell. But as it stands today, Disney certainly is already a stalwart in the streaming wars. It's actually third to Netflix and Amazon Prime in terms of total subscribers, but their numbers continue to grow. And it continues to focus on great content, all the classics, but more and more originals, including Miss Marvel, Baymax, the Big Hero 6 spinoff, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and so many others. Well, it will be interesting to see where the journey takes them, but it's going to wrap things up for now because it kind of brings us to today. So... For Michael Saka, I'm Mike Belsito. This is Rocketship.fm, and we will be back next week with more product journeys. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network, and if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to the podglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.